It's Wednesday, October 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hell. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Brian White, and from Fool.com, David Hanson. Thanks for being here, guys. Yo. We've got a lot going on. We've got uh, Yum Brands with their latest results. We've got, I, I, I say this without a trace of irony, an exciting deal brewing in the apparel retail space. But let's start with the big news of the day, and that is with the Fed chief, or I should say the next Fed chief, because at 3 o'clock, President Obama is going to introduce Janet Yellen as his nominee to be the next head of the Federal Reserve. Uh, I think it goes without saying, historic, first time a a woman will be, uh, assuming she is confirmed, the head of the Federal Reserve. I'll start with you, David. What do you think of this? You're a banking guy. Is this, uh, it, we knew it wasn't going to be Larry Summers. <laughs> yeah. We knew that even though there was a bookmaker in Dublin who had Summers as the odds-on favorite right before he was no longer the favorite. But uh, what are you expecting out of Janet Yellen? I wasn't surprised. Uh, you mentioned the odds maker. I think Janet Yellen at the time was a 6-1 to one favorite. So I wish I would have put some money down on it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have too much of an opinion. I was in the camp that Summers, Yellen, whoever it was, yes, it's a big deal. It's a historic nomination. But for the type of investing that we do here where we look at companies, I try not to think about who the Fed chief is and position my portfolio around that. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure she'll do a good job. She's a very smart woman, obviously. She's been vice chair for for three years now. She has the experience. So it's. I don't really have an opinion on it. We'll see how she does. But in terms of monetary policy, Brian, mm-hmm. Summers was seen as a guy who was going to be more likely to pump the brakes yeah. on the quantitative easing. Janet Yellen is seen much more as being in the Bernanke mold of, let's just keep this thing going. Yeah, I think that's going to definitely help mar- help markets uh, after the uh, government shutdown, debt ceiling kind of stuff fades at some point, who knows when. Um, then the attention should uh, go back to monetary policy, and Janet Yellen should be, you know, it, she should be um, positive for markets. Uh, I was interested to see, I was kind of interested to see someone like Summers or someone come in there that was going to kind of tap the brakes a little, at least experiment in that mm-hmm. manner. You know, I'd like to see, um, you know, what would happen there. And, th- and then you have the chance of, potential chance of, as a long-term investor, stocks, you know, falling because of that. And as long-term investors, we want better prices, you know. And there's no doubt that there's at least some impact from, uh, at least some impact from quantitative easing in the stock prices today. And as a long-term investor, uh, we, we care about what price we pay for I, I, I want to diverge from the topic just slightly because, Brian, yeah. you and I were talking earlier today. You made a point uh, that I think is worth uh, sharing with our dozens of listeners because we were talking about stocks that have taken a little bit of a hit this week, particularly yeah. when you look at the NASDAQ and you see yeah. Facebook down 8%, that sort of thing. You were saying, hey, look, for some of these stocks, a 5% drop is not a buying opportunity. Well, yeah. In, in the point when I was trying to make, we were talking about Facebook and LinkedIn. These stocks have went on tremendous runs, you know, and there's a lot baked in at these prices. And I think, you know, LinkedIn and, and Facebook are two companies that are tremendously positioned for the future. Um, but a 5% drop in a growth company like that is not necessarily a buying right. opportunity. Now, if you're talking about a stock that I already think is a great value, Right, and it drops five percent. Well, then I'm even a little bit more excited. If Procter, you know, if, yeah, I, I, yeah. I just think in terms of those big dividend payers, a Johnson and Johnson yeah. suddenly drops five percent. It's like, oh well, yeah. 
But when uh, Facebook and LinkedIn drop 5%, I don't really get all that excited. I mean, I, I, I'm excited about the business's future, but the 5% drop's not much. Uh, let's go back to Yellen because you look over the last 25 years and the role of the Fed chief has become much more prominent in America. Uh, um, I, I think people have a, a greater awareness, certainly. Certainly media coverage has helped with that as, as – uh, the internet has given rise to uh, all sorts of access to information that just didn't exist 20 years ago. But that also means that there's greater scrutiny. There's a hotter spotlight. Uh, fairly or unfairly, Janet Yellen is going to be under a much more intensive spotlight on a much more regular basis than Paul Volcker was when he was Fed chief, or frankly, even Alan Greenspan was mm-hmm. when he was Fed chief. To what extent do you know anything about how she's going to deal with that and how she's going to deal with having to trudge up to Capitol Hill to face off with uh, members of the House and Senate every six months or so? I think she'll, it'll be pretty muted, kind of like Bernanke. He's not a, a guy that's going to go out and make crazy statements. Yeah. Some people say, oh, Summers would have been that guy to go out and say some things that would royal the markets. Right. <laughs> but we have to remember, yes, they're under scrutiny on a day-to-day basis, but over history – Fed chiefs usually aren't judged on how they do until years after they're no longer the Fed chief. You mentioned Paul Volcker. At the time, people were saying, this guy's, this guy's terrible. Yeah. What's he doing to the economy? Yeah. We look back on it now and say, wow, Paul Volcker did a great job. Greenspan, everyone's like, this guy's the savior. He's awesome. And now we look back and say, hey, that guy caused the financial crisis. So I don't know how we're going to judge Ben Bernanke in the future. I think he did, has done a good job. But it will be 10 years from now until we really have a full judgment and with Janet Yellen, it's going to be potentially 20 years until we really know how well she did. I feel just a tiny, and by tiny, I mean like one-half of one-tenth of one percent sympathy for her husband, who is a Nobel Prize-winning economist. Yeah. I think he was part of a team that won the Nobel Prize in 2001. And you have to believe, on some level, he was thinking to himself, well, I mean, you know, I'm, I, he's going down in the history books, and... He is, but now he's Janet Yellen's husband. I was like, sorry, dude. I mean, <laughs> you're doing great work. Here's the Nobel Prize, but um, now you're the Fed chief's husband. Uh, Yum Brands down about 8% this morning after third quarter profits fell 68%. They also rightfully, smartly lowered guidance in China. It's all about China, right, Brian? It's all about I mean, this China. is uh, that's the whole ball of wax for this company. Until at this point in time, this has been yeah. a great growth story, yeah. American brand around the world, all that sort of thing. But for the last nine to ten months, it's all about China. Well, they generate they generate a little over forty percent of their operating profit from China. So China is important, and China is also you know the crux of the growth argument for young brands. China will drag the larger company along and produce you know the lion's share of the, of the growth for the company. So yeah, same store sales. Same store sales down eleven percent in the quarter. Um, not good. Um, uh, it, you know things continue. Not good, but well, no. l- l- let's be clear. We've had some quarters where that number is north of twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> in terms of a drop. Yeah. It, ultimately, as a long-term investor, if you're interested in young brands, you're kind of disappointed. And the reason why you're disappointed is, I mean, the stock still trades for tw- I don't know twenty-two times trailing earnings right now, even with the drop today, and. Uh, you would hope that with this negative, with the negative headlines surrounding the company, that you'd get a nice bargain price for the stock. Um, it's just not the case right now. Maybe if you're a little bit more patient, 
the interesting thing is we had uh, the CEO of Middleby on, Salim Basul, and he highlighted Yum Brands as, uh, and Middleby uh, supplies the cooking equipment for Yum Brands and a bunch of other restaurant chains out there. And, you know, he highlighted Yum Brands as one of the better operators out there. And, and you know, that's not a surprise for us, um, but we'd like to probably see a better better price. I'm you're, sure. just, you're just rooting for stocks to get whacked. Well, I mean, <laughs> just so you can selfishly yes. pick them up at a lower price. That's the name of the game. We've talked about JCPenney and what a terrible run that company has had. And lately, the conversation has included the fact that we're just a couple of months away with JCPenney of some really attractive same store sale comparables. <laughs> I think December is the month when they're they're just trying to get to. But it kind of seems like Yum Brands is in the same boat. I think it is in also time, December yeah. that they are going to come up on really bad comps. Yeah. Is that going to help them? Is that going to be when they're going to turn the corner? Or as investors, should we look at that and really take that with a grain of salt saying, well, look, you had a really terrible December 2012. So even if you beat that, that's still not that great. Yeah, I don't think you should look at they're coming off a terrible comp. It looks really good. I wouldn't pay much attention to even the the quarter over quarter, year over year comps. He mentioned the price doesn't look super attractive. I don't think it looks super unattractive. I, I think if they can continue their strategy and continue to grow, you can make decent returns on the stock. I don't think it's going to be a a high flyer, but they have a great CEO in, in David Novak, who I know you've had on the show. He's yeah. a very capable operator. So I look at the company, and maybe it's not a screaming buy up, buying opportunity, but I wouldn't call you crazy to buy the stock. Before we get to our final story, I should mention that even though the summer of 2014 is a long way away, um, we're looking for summer interns. Um, so if you are a young person or you know a young person who is interested in interning at The Motley Fool, we have started recruiting. You can find all the information on our, uh, our I guess, our culture blog uh, culture.fool.com is the URL. That's culture.fool.com. Again, uh, if you're a young person or you know someone, a nephew, a niece, child, grandchild, whatever, uh, send them to culture.fool.com because we're we're looking for summer interns. I feel like we treat our interns well. I feel like it's a Very good well. a good mm-hmm. gig. Yes. It's, you know, this is not one of those places where we're just going to put them. We're going to put them to work. They're definitely going to work, but uh, they're, they're also going to get a great experience, and it's a lot of fun as well. Our final story, Men's Warehouse shares are up around 30% this morning on the news that Joseph A. Bank made an unsolicited bid to buy Men's Warehouse for $2.3 billion. Men's Warehouse rejected the bid, saying it significantly undervalues the company. I I'm stunned by this news. I'm stunned that either <laughs> one of these companies is in a position to buy the other and if you had told me that it was the reverse and Men's Warehouse was making a bid for Joseph A. Bank, that makes just as much sense to me as what this is. Yeah, it's an interesting should I, I mean, should, am, I, am I way off base here? Should I be surprised? I, I look at both of these companies as struggling on, to some degree, probably to varying degrees. Yeah. But I don't look at either one of them as being in a position where they say, oh, yeah. I'm going to buy them out. Well, I, I think that's that's why they did it. They've been the businesses haven't been firing on all cylinders. Sales aren't surging, so I think they said, "Hey, we got to we got to do something here." Uh, and Joseph A. Bank, they're the, they're the smaller competitor to Men's Warehouse. So it's kind of like the freshman guy asking out the senior cheerleader to yeah. go to the prom, and they were like, "No, I'm not going with you." <laughs> um, so Men's Warehouse rejected the offer. You mentioned is up. 
30%, but the offer was for 36%. So they said, no, this undervalues. And part of the deal that I thought was interesting, it was non-binding and it was contingent on Joseph A. Bank coming in and doing some due diligence, looking at their books. And Men's Warehouse said, no, you're not looking at our books. Get yeah, out of here. That's so hilarious. We, don't, we don't want you to look yeah. at our books. That's a, a big competitive advantage we have. So if if I'm a Men's Warehouse shareholder, I I don't necessarily see this as a, as a selling opportunity. I think if you bought the stock and believe in it long term, I think you continue to hold on here. Well, I don't know. What do you What do you think? Who's the better operator in this space, Brian? Well, I think Joseph A. Bank is the best. None of these business, neither of the businesses, <laughs> are particularly attractive, and that's what makes kind of an acquisition, a combination, make a little bit of sense. And Joseph A. Bank has demonstrated the ability um, to operate a little more profit profitably than Men's Warehouse, even though it has less than half the sales of Men's Warehouse. Yeah. Uh, its operating margins tend to be in the uh, low to mid teens, and uh, Men's Warehouse really has struggled to break you know ten percent operating uh, margins, despite having more than double the sales of Joseph A. Bank. Um, so from that perspective, you could see how it could possibly work. And Men's Warehouse throws off a lot of cash, about $100 million, you know, a year in free cash flows. So I could see why Joseph A. Bank wanted to go after it larger scale, you know, ability to even, you know, to increase the efficiency and productivity of their own operations, a larger buying base, even put through some even better margins. Um, so I understand it from that perspective, but I think it's hilarious they want to go in and <laughs> look at the books in a non-binding agreement. Yep. Um, anyhow, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. The little guy was going after the big guy. Men's Warehouse has undergone some rebranding, at least in terms of their television commercials. I was a little surprised by that just because earlier this year they had booted out George yeah, Zimmer. Yeah. And even in booting him out the door, they retained – the right to use his image, to use him in commercials, that sort of thing. I thought it was going to be like a famous Amos cookie situation where the, the company buys out Wally Amos and then they <laughs> they still use his name, yeah. they still use his image, all that sort of thing. I'll tell you who the real winner in, is in this scenario is anyone who makes jokes on Twitter. If you go on Twitter and look how many people are making jokes about like, buy one men's warehouse, get two free. Yeah. <laughs> the Joseph A. Bank jokes, they are flowing today. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's all over Twitter. So just if uh, and again you are David you're a you're a banking analyst you you deal in financials in a way that I frankly don't uh, um, but I just want to make sure I'm clear on this so Men's Warehouse is the senior cheerleader and yes. Joseph A Bank is the freshman yes those are technical terms okay <laughs> we use those in the banking industry. that's the kind of insight you're going to get every day on David's show where the money is which is a video show every day it's on Roku it's on our YouTube channel but the audio version of where the money is is now available on iTunes on Stitcher that you're not getting that from Bloomberg you are not you're not getting the senior lead. <laughs> Senior cheerleader analogy. Brian White, David Hanson. Guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> 